What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Tom Westerholm, joined today by Chris Grenham. Last week, we broke down the Celtics depth chart, but one thing that we didn't really do was break down Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. This week, we're going to take a look at the five biggest questions for both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum starting today with Jason Tatum. So I think the biggest place to start, the number one question, and I think the question that is going to define, honestly, the Celtics season as a whole, you know, whether it's a success, whether it's a failure, no matter where they end, is going to be where does Jason Tatum rank among the NBA's elite? And as kind of a follow-up question to that, where does he need to rank for the Celtics to be a successful basketball team this season? Granham, what are your thoughts? Yeah, kind of interesting. So I'm looking right now at the Washington Post. Ben Golliver did SI's top 100 list for a long time, and now he's over at the Washington Post. So entering last season, he had Tatum 12th, which I think was pretty fair. I think that's probably about right. And I think now he's... I would say say that's fair even to the point of being a little bit optimistic yeah. going into last season. Like that's a, that's a, that's a rosy view of Jason Tatum going into last season. 100% totally agree. And I think now the question becomes, you know, is he inside that top 10? I think he's right on the cusp. I think Tatum is right around 10 or 11 for me. I think it's tough. Cause you're looking at guys like Jokic, Giannis, Luca, KD, Harden, Steph Curry. I mean, LeBron's up there. I think Embiid, probably made a pretty good jump after what we saw from him last year. I mean, obviously there's durability problems there, but skill-wise, he is definitely right up there for me. So in terms of, you know, ranking him among the NBA's top 10, top 15 guys, I think Tatum is right around, I would probably say 10 or 11. I, I could list them out, but I would guess right around 10 or 11 right now. And if I think that's fair. I think that's where the Celtics need him to be. I think if the Celtics do want to take a step up from some of their expectations, moving up into that 10, 9, I don't know, about 8 section, but making a little jump in there is probably important. Yeah, I think I largely agree. The biggest question I have is what the Celtics are genuinely like in their heart of hearts expecting this season. Mm -hmm. Because if what they are expecting is an okay season where they're relatively competitive and maybe they, in a best case scenario, they sneak up to the five seed. If that's their goal to get up to there and, but like, you know, they're not really hoping to be contenders this season. Then I think, yeah, if Jason Tatum is the 10th best player, if he's the 11th best player, the ninth best player, that's completely fine. No problem. And realistically, I agree with you. I think that's largely where he is. You know, I think there's some guys who are in the top 10 who I could see him passing this season. Steph Curry's getting a little bit older. I think Steph is one of the greatest basketball players we've ever seen. So if Steph Curry is Steph Curry, then I don't see any way that Jason Tatum surpasses him. But if there is any slippage there, maybe, you know, especially given the fact that Tatum plays pretty good defense as well, the fact that he's a two-way guy, that matters a lot. And I would say the same thing with Dame Lillard, right? Where I think Dame is a top 10 player and we will see what version of Dame we get this season. He has shown no signs of slowing down at all. And I, you know, I think with the Nets guys, it's kind of interesting because I certainly think that Harden is one of the greatest players in the NBA. Last season, he showed that if he's the distributor on that team, then yeah, that's, that's pretty tough. But I mean, how much does that impact his production? You know, does his production impact his ranking, like where he is? I think all of those things could come into play. To me, I think for the Celtics to sort of raise themselves out of the tier we did our our tiers of the eastern conference a couple of weeks ago for the celtics to raise themselves out of the tier of like pretty good like good playoff team into that faux contender tier i think tatum needs to be better than somebody like Kawhi. i think he needs to be a little bit better than somebody like Embiid, and that is a tall tall order maybe not Embiid because i think last year Embiid elevated himself to like you know i mean he was one of the three four best players in the nba last year but you know i mean tatum needs
needs to get himself to like that five, six, seven range if the Celtics are going to be faux contenders this year. And that is a really tall task. It's not necessarily a fair ask for him. But I think if that is the Celtics' expectation, if that is their goal, that's where he needs to get. And we'll see if it happens. I don't think the Celtics need him to get there to be contenders in the next three or four years, assuming they bring somebody else in. But if this current core as constructed is going to get to that level, that's where I think he needs to be. Yeah, I agree with the Kawhi jumping note because Kawhi is one of those guys super talented, similar to Tatum, has that really good two-way you know, prototype. But the consistency isn't always there and the passiveness is definitely there. And sometimes we've seen that with Tatum where he hasn't always been the aggressor. And he went through stretches last year where he would go 30 plus for a couple games in a row. And then he'd go, you know, 14, 15, a couple. And then you go back to 40 and then you'd come back with 18 or something like that. And this year's team, I think even more so than last year's team, they can't win games when Tatum is scoring 15 points. I mean, sure, you can get a hot night from Marcus Smart. You can get a hot night from Peyton Pritchard, anyone. But, like, you're not going to rely on that. That's not a winning formula by any means. So you're 100% right in the sense that he's got to jump Kawhi and those consistency categories in the more aggressive category because he's the guy. And he was the guy last year, and he was good with that. And, you know, in the playing game, you saw it down the stretch. He was putting up some ridiculous numbers, but he has to be that guy. I think in terms of bigger picture here, he's the youngest guy in this category outside of Luca, right? They're in great shape long-term. So, I mean, I think we're both very much on the same page where the Celtics, when it comes to Tatum, are in a very rosy spot because he's already pushing into this potential top 10 category where he's younger than all of them, except for Luca. And he has the two-way potential, which a lot of these guys don't have, you know, to the level that he does. I think Tatum's scoring is so incredible sometimes that his defensive side of the ball gets overlooked. He's a really smart defender. He's got really good size and he moves really well. So the two-way potential is really, really huge. But I definitely agree with kind of having to jump a few of those, you know, back into the top 10 guys. And a lot of that comes with consistency in my, in my mind. I agree 100%. I think consistency is the number one thing for Tatum this season. And to achieve that, that brings us to our second question. Can Jason Tatum get to the free throw line eight times per game next season? The reason I set eight as the total is I was on basketball reference yesterday and I sorted it. Grenham, do you want to take a guess how many points per game Jason Tatum averaged last year when he shot eight or more free throws per game? What was his regular season average? Like 27? About 20, just under 27. All right. I'm going to say he averaged... 31. You are very close. He averaged 32.2 points per game last season when he shot eight free throws or more. You know, I want to be like, well, now that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to do that next season, except that it kind of does because some of those games he scored 14 or 15 points and then other games. Yeah. He scored 60. (laughs) So I, I think that kind of encapsulates it, right? Like if Jason Tatum gets to the free throw line eight times per game, that is going to create production. And I think also it will create space for his teammates. It'll create other opportunities. Yeah. I mean, if he has an off night, if he stays aggressive and he stays going to the rim and he forces 16, 17, 18 points onto the board, that just makes things easier for Jalen Brown. And yeah, maybe the Celtics don't win all of those games, But if Jason Tatum averages 30 points per game next season because he's shooting eight free throws a game, that's a huge success for the Celtics. That to me is one of the biggest questions is can he get to the line consistently? Again, that consistency word, like can he do that night in, night out, just be that player? Because if so, I think he's in for a huge season. You know, talking about that jump, I'm looking at the top scorers in last year's NBA season. They're all over seven free throws a game except for a couple, you know, Zach Levine was 5.1 and Kyrie was four and Jokic 5.5. But for the most part, they're over seven a game. Like that's a, it's a very important 
piece that Tatum kind of needs to add here. And I got to say, I mean, Jason Tatum is so talented, but I just do not think he has quite the bucket getting ability that Zach Levine has. Mm -hmm. He's just not quite there. I think he can be a much better player than Zach Levine and a a much better scorer. But I think a lot of that comes with getting to the free throw line. I think the same thing with Kyrie, right? Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. we talk about Kyrie and he is a generational talent. He's not a a generational winner necessarily. Like his teams aren't necessarily going to win just because he's on them. But as a pure basketball talent, as a pure bucket getter, we've seen very few like him in NBA history. And Zach Levine is just a bucket. Like that is what he does. He just gets buckets. Jason Tatum has to do more. So I think to be that better scorer, yeah, he has to get to the line more than those guys. Yeah, you're right. And I think a lot of it comes back to how they've scored, you know, up to this point in their careers, right? Zach Levine, a lot of times has relied on his crazy athleticism and his quickness, that explosiveness to kind of get to the rim. Kyrie has always relied on his shiftiness with the ball and ability to just absolutely baffle defenders. Jason Tatum has kind of been that finesse scorer for a while where he can shake defenders on the perimeter and score from the perimeter. He hasn't always relied on getting the hoop. So it's like as we watch him mature, which includes building some muscle and getting a little bit bigger, it's interesting to watch him kind of realize, oh, okay, this is another way I can score. I can go downhill a little bit more. I can get to the rim easier because I'm bigger and I've kind of added plenty more to my bag than I had a Duke than I had a Chaminade. So I think that's part of it, but I totally agree. Like the free throws are so, so important because this is not a team that can generate a lot of points right now. And so they need all the points they can get, especially when they lack shooting in other areas. So I think it's a major thing. I think he can do it. It's just a question of if he can work it into his habits. Like it's not a, it's not second nature to him by any means right now. And so he's got to go sort of out of his way to do it. It seemed like at times last year and he's moving in the right direction, right? He said, you know, higher free throw numbers over the last couple of years. So I think he's trending there, but it's a question of if he can make it second nature. Him becoming a top six, seven, eight player in the NBA. That's a tall ask getting to the line more like and a lot more consistently. I don't think that's nearly as tall an ask. I think we saw it at times last season where yeah, he was forcing it. Like it didn't always look natural, but it still worked. You know, he still did get there. And I think it's a really interesting point that you made about like the things that Kyrie and Levine kind of built their games on. I mean, obviously Zach Levine has just like, you know, his otherworldly athleticism, but he kind of built that shot up to the point that he's now just like a knockdown deadly shooter. Kyrie always had the handle and always had, you know, the layup and he's always had kind of a complete game. But Mm -hmm. you know, the, the fact is that like the fact that he's a three point shooter adds to everything else. Tatum needs something that adds to his three point shooting. Like he is a really good shooter. He is really good on the perimeter. He needs something that brings that out, you know, kind of in the opposite way of Kyrie, right? Where the shooting brings out Kyrie's handle, which, you know, the handle is his primary. Tatum's kind of the reverse. Yeah, it is interesting. Like those guys do have that other portion of their game that they can sell defenders on and then fall back on something else. Tatum is still working on those other portions. And a lot of that comes with him, like we were saying before, being the younger guy out of this kind of elite crew right now. So it's still part of his development. He's still developing. It's crazy that he's this good and he's still developing. But like Drew Hanlon, someone asked Drew Hanlon, I think a week ago or something on Twitter, talked about, you know, what is the next step for Tatum? And he said, getting downhill more and that comes along with getting free throws and getting, you know, not shying away from contact, going toward the rim, that sort of thing. So it's clear that that's a point of focus for him this offseason. It feels goofy that this is the third question is, does the muscle matter, right? Like, it's just like, okay, is he actually as much bigger as he looked in that one photo that everybody freaked out over on Twitter? You know, is that real? And I think the answer is probably yes and probably nah. 
right? Like I think the muscle does matter. He probably has added some strength this offseason. He's probably added some some more power to his game. And I think Drew Hamlin has talked about it and, and Tatum has talked about, yeah, like I know I need to get to the rim more. He didn't sound super stoked about it when he was uh, describing the fact that he needs to get to the rim more. But I think he knows that he needs to get there. And to do that, he needs to be durable. And to be durable, he needs to be strong. So it's like those, all of that stuff works together. Is that particular photo real? Like is, is Tatum going to come out looking like, like you know, the, the Giannis transformation from his rookie season to now? Is that going to be Jason Tatum. I don't know that it's all that, but Tatum is getting a lot stronger. A couple of years ago already, you were starting to really notice like how much more broad his shoulders looked. And there really did seem to be a lot of room for muscle on his frame, which matters a lot. You know, he's not Macau Bridges. Like he was right. skinny, but he's not Macau Bridges. He has the frame to get bigger. And that matters quite a bit for what the Celtics need him to do. Yeah, there. I saw someone on Twitter, they put up a side-by-side of him in a game last season and in a game in his rookie season. And obviously these are not photos taken mid-workout or post-workout where he just looks absolutely shredded like he did in that picture. This is, you know, mid game. And you're right. He's clearly much broader and you're right. He had room to put on muscles. That was always sort of there. And that is always there with those guys who come out after one year and they're still kind of growing into their bodies a little bit as an 18, 19 year old. My question for you, do you think Tatum was the sole reason they brought back Nick Sang? Like he has been with Nick Sang all summer, like no joke, all summer, every workout he was with Nick Sang to the point where Patriots minicamp had started. I had to reach out to Nick and be like, are you working for the Celtics again? Like what the hell is going on? He's like, yeah, I'm back with the Celtics. Are you back with the Celtics? Or are you back with Jason? And I think it, I think it does actually. Did you ask him that? Did he answer that question? No, I didn't ask him that. I kind of <laughs> joked with him. I was like, I was like, are you solely with Jason? He was like, no, I'm back with the team. But I do think that that actually does help because Tatum and him do have a really good relationship. And And he seems to work really well with him. They've been grinding all summer and it shows in the photos. But when Tatum got asked about it at his camp, asked about the muscle, he just kind of said, it's part of me getting older. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, yeah. And he's spot on. He's, he's developing more as, as his body's kind of, I don't know. He was so young when he came into the league. So he's growing into his body a little bit. He's getting older and he's putting on some muscle, but I think it's certainly important to kind of tie into our previous question with him being able to take on contact and stuff. That obviously matters quite a bit. And I think, yes, Tatum is going to be stronger this season. He's going to be a little bit bigger. He's going to be a little bit more muscular and all of that is going to affect his game. And I'm curious what kind of player it turns Jason Tatum into, which is the number four question I have on here. What kind of player, and I wanted this to be really open-ended. I think the question is what kind of player is Jason Tatum? I think this is a really interesting one because you can kind of define most NBA superstars, I think, in like a couple of sentences. Kyrie is a wizard with the ball who can score from anywhere. Kevin Durant is a seven footer who plays like the best guards in the league. You know, like Kawhi Leonard is a superstar defender and and who is also a superstar scorer. It's just, it's, you know, Joel Embiid is just a monstrous human who is more talented than anybody who's seven foot two should ever be. Same with Jokic. Like these are very easy ways to describe people. And I just don't know that Jason Tatum is as easy to sum up. Is he going to be like a jacked shooter? Like, is he going to be able to kind of rumble to the hoop? You know what I mean? Like where it's not just drive. It's like, you know, that thing that LeBron does where it's like he's kind of carrying two people all the way to the finish line. Like, What kind of player is Jason Tatum? Who does he become? How do we sum him up in a couple of years? That I think is a really interesting question going forward. Yeah, I think the latter part of that question is really tough because what he is now, I don't think is necessarily what we'd classify him as in 2025. Right now, the way I would describe him as that elite isolation scorer and kind of a blossoming two-way wing because he's already a really good two-way wing. I don't know if I'd throw him in the elite two-way area yet. I mean, 
on the offensive end, certainly. But last year, he made some really, really big improvements as a team defender. And it was it was pretty noticeable. I think it's almost like you think of it as like a 2K rating. It's like, okay, if Jason Tatum is a 90 and like 90 and over is elite, it's like you need to have the things that build you up to 90, right? So it's like for him, it's like the offense is 60 and the defense is 30. And like, you know, with Kawhi, it's like the offense and defense are 45 a piece, you know, and like at Kawhi's height, the offense and defense were like 49 a piece. You know, it's like, I I think it's funny players get so offended about their 2K ratings because it's just a video game. But at the same time, it kind of makes sense. There is an element of like ranking basketball players where the 2k rating it does really say a lot you know it, it gets very personal really well yeah <laughs> yeah it gets very personal but i think yeah. there's an argument to be made that tatum is improving on both sides of that rating right now like yeah. his defensive awareness is definitely at least in the last couple of years it's felt like it's always trending upward and his scoring has too for the reasons we talked about before where i think his bag is only going to get bigger over the next couple of years right now he relies on a lot of those isolation step back moves and he's more hesitant to go to the rim and go downhill where ideally like Drew Hamlin said in a couple of years, maybe the downhill portion of his game is right next to the step back portion of his game. But yeah, I, he is a completely in the elite category in terms of being a scorer and an isolation scorer. He showed that in a number of those 50 point games last year, it was just ridiculous at times. Well, and I think isolation either. It's like pick and roll scoring too, just as a ball handler. Like he's right. so good at that. He's just so good with the ball in his hands. Right. And it's, it's really incredible what he can really do essentially on his own. You know, he's in, in a pick and roll set occasionally, Sometimes it's just one-on-one with a defender, but it's really, really incredible. And I know that bothers Celtics fans sometimes because he gets, you know, he starts killing ants on the perimeter a little bit, but he's really good at that. So right now he's that like blossoming two-way guy. He's an elite ISO scorer, but I think it's going to get even better in the next couple of years. And I think maybe he'll have some of that rumble type scoring portions to his game. I think it's that description is going to change next year. It's going to change the year after that, and the year after that. And I think that's a good thing overall. I do wonder if what he becomes is is kind of an amalgamation of everybody, right? Like, because that that to me is the closest way to describe him is he's picking up pieces from different people's games. Like, what if he becomes, you know, a and I mean, this is obviously on like lower levels because he's not LeBron rumbling to the hoop or, or, you know, handling the ball. But he is like if he has that element and he's mostly a pick and roll scorer who shoots a lot of threes, but who gets the line a bunch. I don't know how to describe that, but I could see that sort of being like his ceiling, right? Is like a, like primarily a pick and roll scorer who happens to be six foot nine and very strong and gets the line a lot, but he's also like a really good three-point shooter. That is a superstar. That's a top eight, seven, six player in the NBA. And that's where the Celtics need him to get. So if that's kind of the vision they see for him, pretty good, man. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good. Pretty good. I think Brad Stevens is happy with that. Definitely. So last question here, and I think this is a really important one for a couple of reasons. How do Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown mesh? And are they actually friends? Now, we have talked about this a few times on the podcast, and we've kind of put ourselves in the camp of like, I don't know that they're friends. Like, you know, I'd also don't know that that matters. Like, I think they can play together and be professionals and all of that. And I think that's all true, that it doesn't necessarily matter. I also think that it's true, or at least it certainly seemed to be true from what we saw in the locker room and everything that they did not seem particularly close. However, it's weird that people are like, especially reporters are still talking about this two years later because we have not been in that locker room and we have no idea. And I think Mm -hmm. it's important to acknowledge that is that unless you have people in Jason Tatum's camp or you have people like in Jalen Brown's camp who can say 
with a lot of certainty that these guys are pals now or these guys are not pals now. We just do not know. That thing in, in Las Vegas where they're in the club and, like, you know, Jalen Brown is, is biting Jason Tatum's metal. I, I don't know how much I buy into that as anything. Like, it could easily have just been, like, they came across each other. The whole NBA descends on Vegas. We talked right. about that at the time. But I do think that, like, all of the speculation, one way or the other, that they're super good friends, that they don't like each other, and anything in between from reporters is truly worth ignoring at this point because we don't know. We haven't been in the locker room in two years. I don't know that we're going to be in the locker room at the start of next season. And whatever it ends up being, we just cannot tell you with any certainty how those two guys are together at this stage. Unless you're hearing this from, I don't know, Brandy Cole or something, there's no there's no reason to pay attention to this stuff. The progression of this and the obsession online with this, it just bothers me to a point because I genuinely don't think it matters because they're not at a point where they're fighting on the court or they're very much at odds or whatever. And so I'm very much at the point where I don't think it matters because put yourself in a professional environment, any professional environment that you've been in, you have coworkers that you like, they're fine, right? But you're not going to go hang out with them every day of the week. And maybe if you run into them when you're out at a bar or something, you'll hang out with them for a little bit and then you won't for a little while. And then you'll see them at work on Monday and it'll be fine. Hey, what's up, man? Whatever. It's fine. It's a professional environment and that's okay. It's not the end of the world if Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are not best buddies and hanging out every single day of the week and having every meal together. That's okay. And I don't think that they see it as like a real problem because I don't think they're best friends. Like we don't see them hanging out all the time. And I really do think that's just fine. I don't think they think anything is wrong with that. And again, I'm I'm jumping into the bunch here. This is pure speculation. I don't have a fucking clue. I have no idea here. So I just think all the speculation, it's people just love running with this kind of thing. But I genuinely don't think fixating on their relationship is all that important for fans to do because there's not like a real issue there. And I, I think it's okay. I agree with all of that. I will say too, though, I, I think fixating on it as fans and as media and as something as speculation is a little dangerous because like it does kind of drive the narrative, right? And it's like- yeah we don't know what the narrative is like there's no like there's no way to know at this point and you don't want to push it in the wrong direction like you don't want these guys to like if they're not okay or like if they if they're if they're fine but not like best friends I don't know. Maybe yeah. they get really annoyed by being asked about it all the time. Like, I don't. I think the bigger question is how they're going to mesh on the court because they, the real question for me has always been how do their styles on the court mix? I don't really care about if they're, you know, hanging out every day. It's more so like, how is this going to work on the court? Because there have been questions about their two games. They kind of rely on the isolation game a little bit and they have some similarities that don't often mesh all that well on the offensive end. And Sometimes they get into a flow or rhythm in various games or stretches where they do, but I'm curious to see how this roster works with them. They're short offensively and maybe getting a guy like Al Horford, you know, that ball moving big in there can help. Maybe getting another score like Dennis Schroeder in with both of them at times can help. And I'm very curious to see how they kind of fit alongside the rest of this roster. We know they're both uber talented. Like they are undoubtedly stars in this league. It's just a question of how they kind of fit and how this roster is able to maximize their skill sets because that's the goal. Definitely. I think that's as good a place as any to leave it because later this week, we're going to do the same thing for Jalen Brown. But for now, as always, we appreciate everybody who listens. We appreciate anybody who's left us a five-star rating or a review. That stuff really does help us. And if you uh, happen to want to do that and you haven't already, we would definitely appreciate it. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you know where to find us. And we will talk to you all again later this week.